Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Rum and Records, a podcast dedicated to the love of vinyl and the appreciation of alcohol. I'm your host, Craig Smith. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Craig Templeton. This week's show, Fleetwood Mac and the case of the disappearing guitarists. Craig and I choose five of our favourite tracks by the band, enjoy one of our favourite rums, and Craig has a little surprise in store for me. All this and more coming up on Rum and Records. Please be aware, this podcast contains strong language and adult themes. As always, please drink responsibly. Hello, Craig. Hello. How's it going? It's going very well. Um, we're here live in the Grafton Arms uh, a hotel because, well, we have to record this somewhere. And we're down in London this time, so we we've are. changed uh, locations from Manchester to London. We're basically going national now. That's we're going na- national. Next will be international. <laughs> and that's actually segues nicely into uh, something we wanted to talk about from the off. Just wanted to thank everyone who who listened to the first episode. Thanks so much for your support, and thanks to everyone who sent messages and comments via Instagram. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's been a great response. I woke up to a text message from China this wow. morning from our old friend Ian. Shout out to Ian. Hello. Hello, Ian. <laughs> Hello, Ian. We got some really good feedback. I had more than one person tell me about them discovering Aberfeldy, which, again, we talked about so much. Um, and it's been great. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. The aim isn't to get as fucked up as we did the last time. <laughs> no. Um, we're just going to focus on one drink, and we're going to focus on one artist, who is... Fleetwood Mac. The Mac Daddy. Yes, indeed. And uh, you may be wondering, why would we dedicate a whole episode to one band? So, Craig, why would we dedicate a whole episode just to one band? Well, I mean, it started with an Instagram post. Um, you You actually posted a picture of... Was it four of their albums? Uh, it was um, self-titled yeah. Rumours, Tango in the Night, and, and Mirage. No, Mirage wasn't there because you said fuck Mirage. No, I don't have Mirage, no. Yeah. Um, what was the... Uh, th- Tusk was the other one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Tusk was the other one. We know you hate Tusk. We'll get to that. I that fucking Tusk, by the way. Um, so, yeah, we're going to focus on one band, Fleetwood Mac. We're going to focus on one drink, which is... Well, the title of the show is called Rum and Records, so we have chosen one of our favourite rums. This rum is... It's got a lot of history between Craig and I. So, um, and it is called Methuselah. Methuselah. And this is the 15-year-old, the Methuselah Grand yes, Reserve. it's a Grand Reserve rum, so it's been aged for 15 years. Um, they do various different levels, so they do a, a re- actually... A really good white rum, I'm not even a fan of white rum, but it's very good. They do spice rums, and they actually do a 23-year-old rum, and that's, for me, just too far. I don't like rum that age, personally, and we'll probably I mean, get to that later yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, anytime I see a really old rum, it's only in duty-free, and I'll, I'll throw down 100 notes just to just to get it. Aye. But I'm never going to enjoy it. You're probably going to turn your noses up at what we're going to do with this rum tonight. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. We're just going to, like, you know, cover it in coke or ting or... Squeeze lime all over it, so you're not going to be spending hundred quid on something that you're going to treat like that. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to feel a little bit fancy, Methuselah. I think I got this for like just about thirty pounds, and 
Yeah, so we discovered this on a night out in the Arches. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. The Arches, a famous Glasgow venue. We've talked in the previous podcast about Nice and Sleazy's, another very famous Glasgow venue. Still going, Still thankfully. Going, thankfully. Uh, however, The Arches was uh, famously closed uh, in recent years due to... It's been reopened, though. Yeah, for street. It's, street it's not a venue, yeah. yeah. So it's for arts because it was it, it was named the Arches because it was under the arches of um, I was going to say Grand Central Station, just Central Station. It's not so grand. No. So yeah, we discovered this in the arches. It's now a venue for arts and street food, but it's also been the host of many gigs that we've been to. Uh, local natives. Oh, uh, epic. Gig. Bill Wells and Aidan Moffat, R.M. Hubbard's. Yeah, there's been some good gigs there that we can hardly remember. <laughs> Because we've been drinking too much Methuselah. Too much Methuselah. But to be fair, um, there's a great bar there before you actually go down into the sort of bar below next to where the uh, the, vent, the gigs sort of take place. And we asked about the rum. And I think we asked maybe about Havana and they didn't have any. They're like, no, we've got this. It's really good. It's called Methuselah. And we were like, Methuselah? Yeah. I Me- remember them saying it was a 12-year-old. Yeah. But it's actually a 15-year-old. It's actually 15. Yeah. But anyway, we, we sort of... Um, we immediately fell in love with this with this rum. It's uh, it comes from Cuba. It's a Cuban rum, which you know is famous probably most for Bacardi. Let's be honest with it. Uh, however, they focus very much on the spiced and dark rum varieties, which this has uh, been in sort of 15, 15 years. Well, here isn't this an interesting fact? They were a Cuban rum. But now they're actually based in the yeah, Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. So they're kind of straddling like born in Cuba, um, sort of raised in Dominican or something like that. Yeah. Let's stop talking this pish and, uh, and get it open. Yes. All so, right. So so we're, go- we're going to open it. We're going to pour uh, a rum for Craig and I. I'm just going to pass you this over, Craig. Um, I'm going to put a couple of yeah. ice cubes in there first. Oh. And um, let's have a little sniff of this. It's pretty good. There's a good aged kind of smell going on there. It's definitely not as um, distinct as a as a few other rums, but no. definitely once you get it in in your mouth, definitely tastes a little bit different. I always make mouth <laughs> jokes. <laughs> you Just really obsessed with putting things in my mouth. <laughs> you really do. We're we're casual <laughs> rum drinkers. No, um, I'm going to put some coke in this. I'm going to probably have some ting later on. Yep. And we probably should be drinking the cheaper one. But since this was the one that was sold to us in the Archies, we're going to celebrate that. 100%. I mean, there's obvious flavours there. There's those vanilla flavours you'd expect from being aged in old barrels. You've got the caramel notes coming through. A wee bit of nuttiness there, I think, definitely. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's, it's I wouldn't say this is like a sipping rum. There are certain rums I've bought in the past where... I can have it neat or have it with ice and just and just kind of sip it. Yeah. We're definitely going off topic now. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to give me an answer. Okay. Okay. Um, Who is your daddy and what does he do? No, it's not actually that. That's just a <laughs> famous quote from Kindergarten Cop. Um, Fleetwood Mac. Obviously yes. a huge band. Lots of history. Of course. Please, Craig, if you will, give us your kind of, your first memories of... Mac. Yeah, it's really strange. I don't think I can pinpoint precisely when my first conscious memory of listening to Fleetwood Mac was. Um, if I had to guess roughly, I would say it would be my sort of uh, 
early teens, probably 14, 15. But I do know it was definitely listened to a Greatest Hits album. Uh, and it was the Greatest Hits album. It's got a kind of green cover with a flower on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, which is pretty famous. And uh, the first track on that on that Greatest Hits album is uh, the track Rhiannon. And that is very much stuck with me. That is my first kind of conscious memory of listening to Fleetwood Mac. Um, of course, came from the eponymous uh, Fleetwood Mac album, or the second eponymous Fleetwood Mac album, because they've had two self-titled albums. They? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Their first Wait, ever, are... their first ever album was called Fleetwood Mac. Ah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, kind of made sense. The kind of reinvention of the new Fleetwood Mac again was called Fleetwood Mac. Um, and do you know? I, I think the song was a kind of taste of things to come from that kind of new lineup, and we'll kind of we'll kind of circle back to this. Um, you know, it was very much one of those sort of rock ballads. Um, you know, it was Stevie Nicks, a new member of the band. Uh, when I was kind of looking into this for uh, for this podcast and about research, you know, about research and that. I believe it's actually a song about a Welsh witch. Oh, really? <laughs> She's all about these. We're going to talk about Gypsy later on. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but Gypsy's a tune. And um, she's all about this sort of stuff with her mad fucking hats and Aye. handkerchiefs and yeah, all that yeah, pish. Yeah. Um, Stevie Nicks, she really is the kind of the face of the new band. Um, I was. I also did some research for this podcast, and this morning I. I watched uh, VH1's Behind the Music and they totally just forgot about the history of the band and just focused on Stevie Nicks, really. Yeah. So Stevie Nicks, obviously a huge influence on this new style of the band. She came along with Lindsay Buckingham. He was only going to join the band if she could come along. They um, they had an album out already. Have you ever listened to that album? I've not, I'll be honest. Neither have I. I kind of want I'll to. I'll be completely honest. According to VH1's Behind the Music, this was their third single. And it rocketed them into fame. Well, interestingly, uh, it was a big hit in the US initially, mm. but um, and and so, so was that album. But it didn't really chart in the UK. Uh, I think the UK were still very much wedded to the old Peter Green, yes, Fleetwood Mac, absolutely. And they were like, "No, nah, we don't like these Yanks joining this British band." Absolutely, this uh, Anglo-American band. Yeah, and, they, and I think there was a lot of sort of uh, disdain for the band initially. And I think Rhiannon only really gained uh, prominence in the UK through live tours because mm. it was a, it was one of the, it was a kind of mainstay on the kind of live set, and it kind of gained like uh, a support then, and they actually re-released it years later, and it actually charted really well. I think it went to like number two or three or something like that in the UK chart. And I think we'll we'll get in more to the, the that um, album later on and its merits. But for me. Just gonna put it out. I think it does stand up against the kind of heavyweights of Tango in the Night and Rumours, which we'll get on to. It does. It obviously, it definitely does. And we'll talk about this kind of when we get to Gypsy. But Stevie Nicks pulls out the bag. She's got that distinctiveness. Even if it's a fairly shite album, she'll have a good single in there. Mm. Um, she definitely has a star. Um, but let's listen to the song. Let's get let's get this party started. Let's okay. Do it. So um, here's to Rhiannon, Craig's first memory. Of Fleetwood Mac. Enjoy.
there we go. Rhiannon, Stevie Nicks. I don't really have a similar first memory of Fleetwood Mac, but it is still the new... We'll, we'll, we'll call them the new Fleetwood Mac, yeah, even though it's been the mid-70s. My first memory is still very, very clear. Obviously, like we all know the baseline from the chain for for the Formula One. Like Obviously, that's stuck in your mind, but as a kid, when you're watching that, you don't really think that's yeah. a band. No, actually, um, my first real true introduction to Fleetwood Mac was actually a cover. Fraud. It was a no, no, no. It was a John Peel <laughs> live session by Biffy Clyro. Aye. And they done a cover really? of "Go Your Own Way." You're, that is mind blowing for me. So basically, like, and this is this is how weird it all strung together. So, I was driving up to an ex girlfriend's house because we were we were redecorating our bedroom. And I downloaded all these kind of Biffy Clyro kind of B-sides and new tracks because the new album was coming out and you would just grab anything that was online to try and figure out what this album was going to sound like. And they'd done a live session of Go Your Own Way. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard any kind of Biffy Clyro covers, but it was back in the day in between Infinity Land and Puzzle. I think it was in between that sort of time. So there was still quite a lot of screaming and discordant. Dun, 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 dun. So he, sh- he shouted, Simon Neil shouted the first verse. Mm. And then it went into this chorus. And it was, dun, dun, you can go your own way. And kept that really yeah. kind of standard the way it was before. So I get to this um, girlfriend of mine's at the time. And I was like, you need to listen to this cover. And she hated Biffy Clyro. And now I can kind of understand why. Yeah, I'm not a fan. But I played it and she was like, you need to hear the original. Like, she was disgusted the fact that I didn't really know anything about Fleetwood Mac. So here we are, an old school kind of tape deck. She fucking shoves in Fleetwood Mac's rumours. And obviously Go Your Own Way was a standout track because that was the cover that I'd heard. And my... I know we used this the last time. My mind was blown. It really was. Like... People think Fleetwood Mac is like an easy listening kind of fun time band, but Go Your Own Way has got some serious shit to it. There is a lot of like yeah. backstory. There's a it's it's hard rocking. It's hard rocking, rock and roll. Like <laughs> and like it's great. Aye, it's so good. And that whole album, I think we're not going to talk about the whole of Rumours, and we're not going to talk about the whole of Tusk or Tango in the Night. No, we can dedicate podcasts to them. We're just doing an overview of what we love about the band. And my first introduction was definitely a cover by Biffy Clyro. Do you want to play that first? The cover? Do you want to hear a little bit of the cover? Yeah, why not? If it wasn't for that song, I would never have known about... Well, I would have known about... Um, you would have fucking... I would have found out about them. You go through your life like never knowing about Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> it's like... Anyways, that was my first intro <laughs> to Fleetwood Mac was it's that. Like, it's like Lemmy jokes about how he never like... He doesn't know what Shawshank Redemption is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. much it. No, I've never seen Shawshank Redemption. But you must know what it is. No, I've never heard of it. That's what that would be like. Yeah, but anyways, my first introduction was a Biffy Clyro cover that led me to listen to Rumours. So obviously Rumours was the first album I came to. Um, so yeah, this is Go Your Own Way, which I think is still Fleetwood Mac's best song. Absolutely, Absolutely the best song Incredible. ever. Incredible. If I could, maybe I'd give you 
There we go. Probably Fleetwood Mac's best song. Second song of our playlist. So two great introductions to Fleetwood Mac there. But we're going to go and um, take it to a history lesson. Yeah. We thought it would be remiss not to have uh, a little bit of a, a jump back to the original Fleetwood Mac and, yeah. and some of the previous incarnations of Fleetwood Mac, because which they are many. Or, or as they were known at the very beginning, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Mac. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, obviously there was a a band before the Fleetwood Mac that is probably the most famous and is still touring right now. Yeah. And that was more of a blues band. And that's when John McVie, F- Mick Fleetwood and Peter Green were all in the, the Blues Breakers. John Mayles Blues Breakers. And Peter Green wanted to start his own little side projects. And here's a really interesting fact. John McVie wasn't in the first incarnation of Fleetwood Mac. He decided he would rather have a steady wage and stayed with the Blues Breakers. Um, And it wasn't until maybe the second or third gig um, that he decided to join the band. And that was only because they said, we will call it Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting of like what I've like read or understood, and this could be embellished. The truth of this is, uh, Peter Green was very much of the view that he didn't want it to be about him. You know, there was a lot of guitarists at that at that time. People like uh, Eric Clapton, John Mayall. John Mayall. Like the band he was in. He didn't want it all about him, so he wanted to like, take the focus away from him as being the lead guitarist. To the rest of the guys, and at that point, obviously, it was Mick Fleetwood and uh, John McVie, so Fleetwood Mac was where the name derived from. Um, but I don't know how true that is, I don't know. It's definitely true that it's named after them. Well, it's true, it's true. I don't know if it was Peter Green. I don't know if it was Peter Green that said, no, I don't want all that attention. I don't know. Anyways, the, probably the, the biggest success that they had in America was actually when Carlos Santana covered... Black Magic, Black Magic Woman. Woman, yeah, and that's when they finally Peter Green got some recognition for that. Um, but what we want to go through, and the tune that I have picked, is Fleetwood Mac's only UK number one, which is a song that most people will now recognise thanks to a brilliant advertising campaign by Marks and Spencer, which is um, not just any marketing campaign, <laughs> but a Marks and Spencer's marketing campaign. Yeah. And that is, of course, Albatross, which is a strange song because it was never included on an album. It's instrumental. Mm. It has three guitars in it. But really, my favourite, favourite thing about this tune, it's, it's chill AF, chill as fuck, as the, as the kids would like to say. The main thing that I really want to talk about is the, the actual use of silence and mm. dynamics. We talk about um, people like Mogwai... My Bloody Valentine, they play along with loud and quiet a lot. But the amount of restraint that both Mick Fleetwood and John McVeigh, the rhythm section of Fleetwood Mac, the heart of Fleetwood Mac, yeah. show in this tune is just unbelievable. The the use of the kind of the floor toms and the bass just gradually just kinda playing along. Yeah. It's so it's so light feather touch, but also so powerful with that bass boom. Bum, 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 it's so subtle as you say it's absolutely beautiful and uh, in some ways I think it's commercial use takes a little bit away from it's kind of beauty because people all automatically 
think of like slow falling lettuce. <laughs> exactly, and like you know meals for like ten quid for two and all that kind of shit. But this tune uh, it just shows what a band Fleetwood Mac were before. Obviously, there is a huge difference between the the two different types of bands, and we're gonna we're gonna listen to a bit of Albatross. And welcome back. So that was uh, Albatross by Fleetwood Mac. One of the most sort of recognisable Fleetwood Mac tunes, I think you'll agree, Craig. Yeah, even without a, a vocalist to tie it to, that guitar sound is definitely pure green. And I think that's maybe part of the appeal because they've went through so many changes in lineup. That the fact that you know that that's Fleetwood Mac just because of the instrumentation of the track. Absolutely. This is it. It's, it's got its own kind of signature. It's really interesting that the band have named themselves after the rhythm section. Usually the rhythm section doesn't get a lot of recognition. No. And probably that does link back to your story about Peter Green. True or not, it, it says a lot that this band yeah, are the no. beating heart of Fleetwood Mac. 100%. And if you look at most other bands, the elements that tend to change is the rhythm section. And Fleetwood Absolutely, Mac are the yeah. complete opposite of that. Yeah. Again, that's part of the appeal about Fleetwood Mac is that that kind of beating heart, as you put it, it's a perfect yeah. way of d- defining it, is they've very much been there and that and that rhythm of the band has remained throughout decades and throughout different changes of lineups and albums. So talking about change of lineups, uh, the next song that I want to introduce is another song that wasn't on an album. It's actually post-Peter Green, pre-Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Say what? Yeah, absolutely. Did that exist? (laughs) That did exist. A lot of people forget about that. There was a kind of middle point. And this is when the young guitarist Danny Kerwin came into his his kind of prime. But this song, again, it sounds like I only discovered Fleetwood Mac through ex-girlfriends of mine. And it's it's a song called Dragonfly. Now, she made me like a mixtape type thing. It was on a CD. Um, But it included this song. So... Can I just ask and stop you there? Was this a different girlfriend from the? It was. It was okay. a. It was a different girlfriend, Lothario, <laughs> the ginger Lothario, sitting <laughs> right here. She was trying to prove the point that Peter Green was better than Lindsay Buckingham. However, and this is the real kicker, Peter Green does not appear on this recording. <laughs> um, and I've took great joy, oh, great yes. joy to be like, oh, by great the way, Peter Green, that you love his voice here? Oh, you love Peter Green, do That's you? not Peter Green. That's Danny Kerwin. <laughs> so this song was written by um, Danny Kerwin, who actually died maybe less than a year ago. Oh, really? The lyrics of this song were taken from a Welsh poet called W.H. Davies. There's, a, there's the Welsh link again. There's is another Welsh link. Like Welsh witch, Welsh poets. Absolutely. So I actually own this on 7-inch. There's quite a few Fleetwood Mac songs I have on 7-inch and they all have interesting reasons to why I've got them. This one in particular was because <laughs> I, was on, I was on Twitter. Do you know who Matt Berry is? I do. Yeah, Dr. Lucian Sanchez yeah. from uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. 
he's, uh, he's he also, also in appeared in uh, the IT crowd the and... IT crowd father <laughs> he's got that distinct voice anyways I followed him he's a great musician you should check out his albums but he asked on Twitter hey guys does anybody know where I can get a copy of the 7 inch of Fleetwood Mac's Dragonfly obviously I'd never heard of Discogs okay like if you want something that bad go to Discogs Discogs mate um, and me being the absolute prick that I am uh, I went and bought it myself. What an absolute cunt. I am. Well, prick, cunt, whatever you want to call Did me. Did you then buy it and then like, tweet him and say, mate, I'll sell you for like I actually quid? Think I think I might have <laughs> bought it and be like, oh, I just got a copy, get it up you. Oh, well, I don't think it was get up you. So I think it was actually, I bought it because I knew he wanted it. And then I also linked him to be like, hey, have you heard, ever heard of, what do you oh, call it? We digress. We digress. We digress. This Let's song is great. That's great. It's great, isn't it? It's, it's got a complete different vibe. It's got that kind what? of like, mellow vibe. It's got this really muted guitar. I'll be honest, like, uh, the old Fleetwood Mac, the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac, the in-between Fleetwood Mac, I'd never really heard of. You know, I hadn't really paid much attention to, didn't care much for. However, it's actually really good. And I think Danny Kirwan was a very talented young man. And it was, I'm sad to hear he hit, that he died. Passed away, yeah. Aye, totally. Okay, let's uh, let's listen to this post-Green, pre-Buckingham Knicks single. And then we're going to get on to her next song. So welcome back. That was Dragonfly by Fleetwood Mac, and that very much sat in the post Peter Green pre Buckingham and Nicks era. For me, that was an outstanding track. Oh, Craig Smith! <laughs> <laughs> Here is your surprise. One. <laughs> so we're going to do a little game show. We're going to talk about. Fleetwood Mac. What the fuck? In the case of the disappearing guitarists. I thought we'd do a competition for prizes. Oh. And we're gonna do some Points mean prizes. Points mean pre-mixed drinks in a can. <laughs> <laughs> and because this is a Fleetwood Mac podcast, this isn't any just pre-mixed drink in a can. This is a Marks and Spencer's pre-drink in a can. Pew, pew. <laughs> so in front of me I have three Premixed cans. Number one, a classic um, rum and cola, which is cola with two measures of white rum. Here we go. We then have a, a classic pina colada, which is fancy pineapple juice and coconut milk with two measures of white rum. Oofed. And then linking back to our previous podcast, I thought I'd get you a porn star martini. Oofed. So that's passion fruit juice and vanilla flavouring with two measures of vodka. So the rules of the game are simple. We have three guitarists, three disappearances, three multiple choice answers. Okay. So are you ready, Craig? You ready I to play? I'm ready. So this first one is for the pina colada. You get to win the pina colada. Shit. Okay, you ready for this? Tense. In 1970, Peter Green was not in a good shape. 
<laughs> he later left the band because A, he had taken LSD, a hippie commune in Munich, which contributed to the onset of schizophrenia. B, he had drank so much beer during Oktoberfest that he developed steatosis, which is a fatty liver. C, he suffered severe nerve damage after compressing his radial nerve by falling asleep while stoned with his left arm over the back of a chair. A, B, or C? I'm going to go for A. A, LSD, you're absolutely right. Well, yes! <laughs> yeah, fucking pina colada. Pina colada. Okay, so that's 1970. 1970. We're now moving one year on. 1971. While on tour in February 1971, Jeremy Spencer said he was going out to get a magazine, but never returned. After several days of frantic searching, the band discovered that Spencer had A, decided to live the life of a hermit in the Outer Hebrides, B, joined a religious group called the Children of God, or C, actually returned to the studio but took the door being locked as a sign that he was being let go from the band, leaving him with no choice but to go and stay with his mum. I'm going to go for C. Go and stay with his mum? Yes. Unfortunately, you're incorrect. I will keep a hold of the rum and cola. (laughs) Fuck. Okay, the correct answer is B. He went out for a magazine and then joined a religious cult called the Children of God. Fuck you, Jeremy. Jeremy Spencer. What a mad cunt. What what magazine was that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what magazine they like, went out to get. Was it like shoot magazine? And here we go. Um, this is the third and final um, All important. pre-mixed can from Marks and Spencer's. All important. It's a Porsche Martini. It's, it's gold coloured. So this is the, oh, the top prize. The pinnacle. And this, is, this relates to Danny Kerwin. Okay, so in 1972, just two years later after Peter Green, one year after Jeremy Spencer, they've not got a lot of luck here. Um... By 1972, Danny Kerwin had developed an alcohol dependency and was becoming alienated from the band. When Kerwin blank before a concert and refused to go on stage, Mick Fleetwood fired him. So, is it before the concert he smashed his guitar, before a concert he smeared his own excrement on the walls, or C, ate a lot of carbs before the concert and decided not to go on? I would say smashed his guitar. You're absolutely right. You have won a yes! Well done, Chris. Yes! The porn star martini, the fucking the pinnacle of all prizes. Okay, and that was our competition called Flea Mac and the Cave of the Disappearing Guitarist. Wow, I'm just—I'm overwhelmed now. Actually, I've got so many drinks. Yeah. Congratulations, Craig. Well, t- as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. I want you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever gonna lose you. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Cause two out of three ain't bad. Okay, so there was a, a nice little break there. I hope you enjoyed us um, shaking up a little. I, th- I just thought, you know what? Fuck it, let's do it. We're going to go with the introduction to Buckingham and Nicks. Yeah. There was a self-titled album. 
I'm going to have to talk about my lovely wife because even though she didn't introduce me to this song, this was involved in our brunch playlist at our wedding. Um, and this song was actually introduced to me by Stuart Whitten. It was on a, a, a road trip playlist that we had on the way to the Isle of Skye to watch Idleworld play in a tiny little venue in the Isle of Skye. Was that when you got naked in like uh Sorry, sure, in Scotland everywhere. When you got naked in like a... What do you call that thing? A, a sauna. sauna? No, that was his... Uh, Stagda. That was Stagda. And this is our first introduction to Christine McVie. Oh, um, Christine Perfect. Um, that was her maiden name. That was her maiden it? name. She was in a band called Chicken Shack, another kind of blues Catch, band from the UK. Catch your name. Catch your name. So she was in a band called Chicken Shack, and she used to follow Fleetwood Mac around a lot because she was obsessed with them. Um, and was she obsessed with John? I don't know if she was. Um, I mean, John. She, they obviously fell in love, and um, they got married. And, and like I was a wee, wee bit annoyed when we were preparing for this podcast. We had to pick five songs each, and like. Craigie stole the march on me in this song and I, and I probably would have picked this song to be quite honest with you but I was still very happy that Craig picked it because it sort of validated my initial response it's all the same playlist it. buddy it's all the same playlist no, as long as exactly, one of us gets in there exactly but it's a phenomenal song and I think as Craig said very upbeat uh, it's very much coming across that like, uh, uh, Chrissy's new and in love absolutely so let's um let's give that a little listen to now. Enjoy the pop perfection that is Say That You Love Me. absolute banger from Christine McVie, Christine Perfect, whatever you want to call her, uh, the songbird of Fleetwood Mac and we threw a couple of polls on our Instagram we're going to reveal the the responses for that right now the results and they're, they're, they're quite interesting actually There's it shows that Craig and I and I'm not making this up because I'll take screenshots, Craig and I have got a real um unpopular opinion about the band it seems and uh, nobody really kind of feels the same way as we do about the band so which is perhaps why we're doing this podcast it could be yeah it could be we might change trying to change here. your opinions on so stuff. the very first uh, question or the poll that I sent out there was Christine versus Stevie so Christine V versus Stevie Nicks now there were 16 people that voted and 14 of those votes went to Stevie and two went to Christine. 87% to Stevie and 13% to Christine. Um, I'll give you two guesses who the two votes for Christine <laughs> were. Um, that was us. That was, uh, that was us. Vino and Vinyl and Framsley, Framsley, Framsley uh, were the guys that voted for Christine. And there were quite a few people that were wholeheartedly went for Stevie. The next question was um, was a hotly contested one and actually ended up 50-50 with this. This was Peter versus Lindsay. So Peter got six votes, Lindsay got six votes. Who did you vote for? I voted for Lindsay. You voted for Lindsay? 100%. I did too. Yeah, I did too. 
Good lads. Alignment. Alignment, absolutely. Roman Records on the same line. We then went for a... I, I see quite an easy one. We went for album number one of the new Fleetwood Mac versus album number three of the new Fleetwood Mac. So that was the self-titled versus Tusk. You went for... I went for Eponymous. You went for Eponymous? Yeah. I also went for Eponymous. So there was nine for the self-titled, the Eponymous, and five for Tusk. I think Tusk got a decent fault. And listen, I like Tusk, but I still don't think it's as good as... You do like Tusk. Um, I do, but it's not as good as the Eponymous. The Eponymous, actually, because of this podcast, I listen to it more, and it is great. And then the biggie. The biggie. This is like Clash of the fucking Titans. Absolutely, this is it. So we went for Tango in the Night versus Rumours. Oh, jeez. And unsurprisingly, Rumours ruled. So Rumours got 87% of the vote. Tango in the Night got 13% of the vote. Again, only two people voted for Tango in the Night. And those two people were... You and I, Craig. They were. They were you and I. Um, I'm not saying that Rumours is a bad album. Rumours no. is a fantastic Phenomenal album. Phenomenal album. It, it, it really deserves to be one of the biggest selling albums of all time. However... Tango in the Night is the best album to get drunk to. Oh. Album and Tango in the Night is such a party album. Oh. We're going to focus on two of their songs later on. Um, it was introduced to me by some very close friends who really kind of showed me that they did know what they were talking about when they when they suggested that I listen to Tango in the Night. Oh, 100%. 100%. And we'll, uh, we'll explore perhaps the uh, intricacies of... Rumours versus Tango Night in future episodes. Yeah, I think we should do a Rumours versus Tango Night. Yeah, we we talked about this. Let's do that. Let's. let's And we were tempted to do it in this occasion, but we're not going to do it. We don't have enough time. We might as well take a little rum break. We've not talked about our rum very often here, so how's the rum treating you? The rum is treating me very well. I'll be honest with you, we are down to a quarter bottle of the rum. And what is time? We have like scooped this, to use an old Scottish term. Luckily, we had that game show. We have some extra drinks. Yeah, it's we'll going down very, very well. But yeah, I've moved on to the the ting. Uh, I'm not a ting yet. I'm on ting, and it's going pretty well. Yeah. I have to say, it mixes well with ting. Maybe not as well as Appleton's. It's not from Jamaica. Um, we are going in chronological order. Craig has already chosen. A song off of the self-titled album, which was, of course, Rhiannon. So we're going to move on to the biggie. We're going to move on to Rumours. Yes, we are indeed. So we're going to move on to Rumours. And Rumours is a fucking fantastic album. I'm I'm sure many of you have already come across it. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, Christy McVie. As As the poll suggests. As the poll suggests. And, like... I seem to be in uh, isolation with with my, my. Why is that? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. It's like, do you know what? Like, Stevie Nicks had this huge kind of solo career. Perhaps maybe that's it. I don't know. I've I've chosen a song that's a wee bit different because uh, Chrissy's uh, songs tend to be uh, like ballads. Think songs like Songbird. Um, that is. Such a good song, but this isn't the song we're going to listen to. Didn't know that one. But I kind of chose this song particularly because it was very different from the the, kind of usual or the kind of 
stereotypical Chris McVie song because she does a lot of great ballads and they're wonderful songs in their own right. But for me, I chose the song You Make Love and Fun uh, for a couple of reasons. This song, for me, really saw Chrissy like, kind of rocking out because Chrissy's like, she's a, key, a keyboard player, she's a p- pianist yeah. and she's like fantastic musician. It's got a swagger to it. It's got total swagger to it. And it's got that kind of uh, Wurlitzer electric piano. And Lindsay really comes it well. And this was an interesting point. Uh, I think uh, uh, Christine and uh, Lindsay complement each other extraordinarily well. They released an album maybe two, three years ago. Was that right? I yeah, I they, they released an album two or three years ago just before Lindsay Buckingham got kicked for the band. They released an album Aye. together. Yeah, I've remember. never listened to it, but it, it charted pretty well. And I don't think there's any like romantic involvement there. I don't. No, I think I'll it's just respect as two songwriters, two great songwriters, two great vocalists. There, there was like a lot of like uh, collaboration on different vocals and on 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 writing songs. But the song's amazing. It's like it's really like this funky kind of keyboard riff with that kind of world of piano, as I said. The kind of pounding rhythm in the background. I think the funny thing about this song um, is that most of the songs on Rumours were about each other. So obviously there were couples and they were splitting up and they were about each other. This song was about her new lover, (laughs) which was the lighting guy. Well, this is it. And, and, uh, you know, Rumours is like well documented of being like this album that was uh, fraught with... uh, incestuous goings on and couples breaking up and uh, not happy with each other but so obviously Christine McVie at this point was like married to John McVie the bass player but there was this kind of blossoming love affair but she she um, she kind of blew that off and blamed it on something else she did which I found this hilarious but also relatable that uh she told uh, John, oh, no, it's not, it's not about that. It's actually about the dog. <laughs> the dog, dog makes loving fun. Yeah, and, I, and I've got a dog, and he's brilliant, and I do love him, and I do sing to him at times, I'll be honest, but <laughs> I don't think I could pass off a, a, a full song about him to my other half. And making loving fun. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit odd. Um yeah, it's a standout track because a lot of them are follow the kind of standard rock layout and this is yeah. more of a groovy piano thing. It, it reminds me a lot of Stevie Wonder as well with that exactly. kind of vibing, electronic warlitzer yeah. like you were saying. Um, let's play it. Let's, let's have a groove. Let's do it. So that was You Make Loving Fun by Fleetwood Mac from the album Rumours, one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And uh, as Craig and I have said, one of the few people in the Christine McVie camp versus Stevie Nicks. Not that it's a battle, but it's uh, interesting to see that uh, the majority of people... In the Stevie Nicks camp 
And the next album we're going to go along to is Tusk, which I'm not going to lie, I did buy Tusk from Oxfam. I remember buying it thinking, great, another Fleetwood Mac record for me to get my teeth into. And then I was just like, what? What did I just listen to? And I have to admit, I'm into like some... We'll find out. I'm into some strange records. You're into some fucking weird shit. But I kind of wanted... I I have to admit, I wanted Rumours Part 2. And I probably should have went for the self-titled album. Because this is a double album where Lindsay Buckingham wanted to get more of a Talking Heads post-punk influence on it. Absolutely. You up the treble to make it sound more jangly in one take. Mm. But, I mean, I'm not going to lie, this album feels like a mess. No, 100%. And circling back to your, like, rumours part two, that was very much what Lindsay didn't want. And I think he kind of pushed a wee bit too hard away from that sound. Now, Tusk is, a, is an album I quite enjoy, and it is a little bit kind of... It has some really good songs. Storms is a great song. Um, Tusk, the self-titled track, Tusk is great. I mean, if they'd done a whole album with marching bands, that would oh, be amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, so I've chosen one song from Tusk to... I would say this is probably, now that you've introduced it, is one of my favourite songs from Tusk. Uh, well, I discovered it through a cover, a bit like you did. Although this cover is actually good and not shite. So, the Twilight Singers, uh, fronted by Greg Dooley of Afghan Wigs, released an album of covers, and one of the covers was a song called So You Think You're The One. And I'd never heard this song before. And it was phenomenal. Uh, and I, I, I later realised it was actually a cover of a Fleetwood Mac song from the album Tusk. And uh, it's a great song. It's a phenomenal cover. But the original was also excellent. And I think it really sums up uh, Tusk album well from a Lindsay Buckingham point of view. He was very much uh, of the mindset, let's push the band forward. You know, we're getting into the kind of early 80s. There's bands like... Uh, Talking Heads, as Craig had pointed out, where you know, we're in this kind of post-punk era and he was very much keen to drag the band into that kind of, that kind of, that kind of sphere. It's a very good uh, example of that. This is probably the most fully formed Lindsay Buckingham song on the album as well, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and it's, this is why it's a highlight. I also think it was a wee bit of a kind of... And this is my interpretation. It was Lindsay saying to Fleetwood Mac, hey, I am kind of like better than you guys and you need to like fucking wake up and see the reality that I, you need to appreciate me. There was like a couple of uh, lyrics there that was like, everything you do has been done and this won't last forever. And that is like really key for me. Like, it's a well, slap in the face. It's a slap in the face. Like, do you know what? Okay, the stuff that we've done has been good but it's not exactly original and it won't last forever, so we can't keep on doing the same old stuff again and again. It can't be rumours one, two, three, and four, like he'd previously said before releasing this album. Uh, it's a very was... good observation. Well, I try. No, I do, I do, I do research these things now and again. Good lad. And I can be arsed. Let's, um, let's, let's listen to it. I let's really love it. the driving drums and I just want to hear them right What makes you think you're the one who can laugh without crying? What makes you think 
excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I have to say, this is probably the, the best thing about this podcast is I have rediscovered a great tune from Tusk and it's invigorated me to listen to it more. I have more respect for Lindsay Buckingham, but also, like I said before, I can totally imagine this cover by the Twilight Singers and I'll probably yeah. enjoy that just as much. Yeah. Cool, so that's Tusk. We're only going to cover one song from Tusk, even though it's a double LP. And we're going to move into an album that... I mean, Craig did say fuck this album. He did say fuck Mirage. But here he comes with a suggestion about well, Mirage. Well, I thought... Uh, we, we need to discuss it. Yeah. And uh, it's not an album I own vinyl. I don't think you own vinyl. No, not at all. <laughs> no. However, like, uh, Mirage was a post-Tusk pre-Tango in the Night and but it was still in this this kind of vein where like Fleetwood Mac had a huge, huge following and a huge stake. Yeah. Um, I listened to it recently, and there was pretty much no redeeming features. On Honestly, I I tried to listen to it. I found it so hard. Apart from this track, and the track is a gypsy. Yep. Which, which again, she's obsessed with gypsies, witches. Yeah. Stevie Nicks had been away recording her first uh, solo album, which was called Belladonna, which is a fucking great album. It was very critically acclaimed as well as commercially successful. The thing for me about this song that kind of stands up most was... Uh, when I was like researching, I was like, I was like well, why the hell was... This song's fucking amazing, right? Why did Stevie know just like stick that on their, a solo album? And uh, I watched the documentary in preparation for this. And and Stevie actually said, and I quote, she said, I don't write for Fleetwood Mac or Stevie Nicks. I just write songs. And I fucking loved that. She was like... I don't so she decided not to hold it back. It no, came out. No. So, and I was in if this situation. If I here and then, and this is what happens here and then, this fucking matters for Stevie. She's not like. I mean, it probably because it was because she took so much coke that if she didn't lay it down on record <laughs> there and then, she'd forget. Well, that is an impossibility. But that aside, I will give her the benefit of the doubt to say that she was not uh, selfish in the sense that I'm going to hold this back for me because it's Aye. a banger. I mean, money is money. She's still going to get money from it. Well, I know, but she'll get like a quarter of the money or the whole of the money. She's the writer, she's got a lot of it. Anyways, um, let's play Gypsy. track of note on uh, Mirage I don't think I could even name another track on Mirage but Stevie Nicks being Stevie Nicks introducing a song that could have been written for her it could have been written for the band she's unselfish like that she is absolutely an icon and just because Craig and I prefer Christine doesn't mean that we do not like her um, okay so we've went through Mirage and then we're going to arrive at Tango in the Night, which, just like Stevie and Christine, 
we're not saying that it's way better than Rumours, but on occasion, I think I would rather listen in, I would rather yeah. listen to Tango in the Night. Same. Probably on this occasion where we're drinking. Oh, 100%. No, totally. And the track we're talking about is uh, Isn't It Midnight? And this was the track I chose from uh, Tango in the Night. And I'll be honest, I oh, this was like a wrench for me because I could have chose any track from yeah, this album. Yeah, you really could pick This any album for, for Craig and I, I, I can speak uh, for both of us, I think, is our favourite album. 100%. And every single track on this album is phenomenal. And I could have easily said uh, Everywhere or Little Lies or Seven Wonders, but I wanted to try and bring something to the audience that maybe you don't didn't know about. Maybe it was new to you. And I, I hope that uh, Isn't It Midnight is, is one of those tracks. I'll tell you what it reminds me of. And well, I've we did talk about this, and this is part of the reason I wanted to put it on the pod. Okay, yeah, on. so it, it reminds me of The Raccoons. Which had the best um, end credit song ever. Ever. Which was... Um, why am I so drunk and I can't remember it? <laughs> <laughs> Run with us. We've got passion in our eyes. Run with us. We are free. Do, 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 do. Run with us. And of course, the uh, the bad guy in that, uh, or the main kind of protagonist, was a uh, Cyril Sneer. Yeah, though that pink motherfucker with the bent nose. Ah, he, he was kind of like an odd funk, but I don't think he was an odd funk. And then he had that geeky little cunt that was his son. What was his name? Oh fuck, I don't know. Cedric. Cedric Sneer. Cedric Sneer. But they was he a raccoon? No. no, but he, he liked the raccoons. Like, like I was once on a, a jet ski in the Caribbean. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I, d- I didn't die, which was, like, kind of, like, accomplishment one. Accomplishment was two, like, that song going through my head. Like, I was just, like, I felt, like, pretty good. Did you literally think of that in the Caribbean? Yeah. That is badass. Yeah. I'm thought, really impressed. I thought about that song. You've earned a little bit more respect in my eyes. There we go, an 80s um, joyride through the streets on the back of a motorcycle, screeching guitar solos, smooth vocals from Christine McVie there, and honestly, like, Tango in the Night, if you're only like a Rumours fan, you need to move on, you need to jump on Tango in the Night. 100%. And what we're going to do is we're going to finish off with the opening track of that album, which I think is one of the standout tracks. It's um, it's actually a track that I see shared quite a lot by Fleetwood Mac fans, but generally just the solo acoustic version that's live by Lindsay Buckingham, mm. which I think is absolute pish. I, I agree. I do not like it. 
agree. I think it's rushed. I think it's hurried. I think it's not as um, multifaceted as the actual single itself. Yeah. And the things that I love about this single is the use of delay, the drums themselves, the um, outro is uh, absolutely phenomenal and it's um, parodied by Burniston, which is something that Craig and I kind of share. We we definitely use quotes from Burniston quite a lot, especially up the road. Up the road! Up the road! Up the road! But, um, 11. They, 11? We're, we're actually in room number 11. 11! Yeah, surprise you Um... But they've done this amazing sketch with the outro to this track. Yes, yeah. Which, um, I don't know, is it supposed to simulate the sound of sex? I have no idea. I mean, it's definitely got the ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. This is where we're going to leave you. We're going to leave you with big love. We have been enjoying a bottle of Methuselah. We're now finished that. Shit, really? We went down pretty quickly. It is 70 centiliters, so it's a standard bottle of rum. Um, so we're now down to our um, Marks and Spencer's pre-mixed cans. Yes, we are. Um, thank you for listening to our second podcast. Like we said, we love, love, love getting feedback from you guys. Please subscribe. Please leave reviews on any of the formats and any of the platforms that we... Yes. Um, published to and I would say that probably Instagram is our most common social yes. media we're always on there we do have a Twitter we do have a Facebook yes so if you want to contact us it's uh, Instagram at Roman Records uh, Facebook at Roman Records uh, Twitter at Roman Records and please send us your comments your questions your suggestions and we would like to like uh, read them out in future podcasts if we get enough responses. And we're definitely really keen to hear the feedback from our uh, listeners. So thanks again so much for listening. We really do appreciate your support. And uh, we continue to make these podcasts for you. And uh, thanks again. Take care. So still